0: a familiar story, not just because we just looked at it six months ago, a familiar story um, to, I would imagine, most of those in Lighthouse, from the earliest age. It's one of those stories, isn't it, that we hear of the baby in the bulrushes. And maybe... As children, we think about it just being about a baby and the baby gets discovered and that's it. There doesn't seem to be in this much miracle. It seems almost as if it's coincidence. It's an account of how an, Isra- uh, an Israelite baby boy doesn't die. But actually, if we overlook this way, this passage we overlook so much. Because uh, these few verses um, raise issues of slavery of ethnic cleansing, of government injustice, of civil disobedience, of life at challenging times for your family, and of trusting God in the most difficult of circumstances. Now, the way this... it sort of opens to us, the way this kind of gets going at the start of the second chapter as we start to get introduced to the family that's there we we might be mistaken for thinking that this is a first child in the family but of course as we read through the passage we discover there's a, a much older sister, a sister that's in trusted to go and watch over the baby, our sister that will look after the young child. It will be ready and willing and able to go and stand up in front of the Pharaoh's daughter, that's able to go and bring the mum. But if we're to carry on reading in Exodus, we actually find there's so much more to the family even an older brother to Moses, Aaron, three years older, three years. Now, has the the new law of killing the baby boys been instituted in that time? Has somehow Aaron been saved earlier by some wonderful means? We, we, we don't know. We don't know the ins and outs. But what we can see here is that this family, this Levite family, are people who trust in God. They don't yet have the law, and it's not yet time for that. We'll get that in about another 20 chapters, or about 18 maybe. But there is a relationship there, there's a trusting there, there's a a sense of trying to be God's people. Said, the, the family has another element of strangeness to it. In this Levite couple, as we explore further and wider, um, this couple with the three children, um, are not just husband and wife, they're, they're nephew and aunt. It's a close family we might say. Um, very close relationship-wise. To be a married couple, we would think in our Western understanding to modern ears. Um, historically, we might joke about how um, uh, people in a certain area might be uh, in red, um, such that uh, doctors might put the... Um, they used to have th- they still have read codes little abbreviations for what um, for something about the patient that gives you a clue as to what it is just at the top of the, the screen so that you know something uh, NFN normal for Norfolk <laughs> you know you can't put them in these days because they, they, um, it's all computerised <laughs> But doctors used to make up their own... Yeah, not that I know any doctors who would ever do <laughs> such a thing. But, uh, but you know, the used uh, to... Uh, you know, FLK, funny-looking kid. The, you know, the, the, there used to be things, there that you would see immediately and go, oh, right, OK, and it'd give you a clue before the actual patient came into the room. Um, And... And we would think about how isolated communities would intermarry. Now, marrying an aunt would be too close to go through UK law. That there's a list of who you can actually marry. And who you cannot marry. Aunt, nephew is too close. But actually, cousins... Is legal, um, and uh, we might, some might think that's still too close. But in some communities, that still happens. And in fact, uh, earlier in the week, I was uh, I was listening to a programme on Radio Four uh, as I was in the car. Uh, and it was discussing the well-being of children in Bradford. And there'd been a, a study uh, done because compared to what you might think were identical communities elsewhere in the country, both on um, the, the Asian population and uh, level of wealth, poverty, and uh, other factors, the... Uh, the children in Bradford were particularly study, uh, uh, um, struggling, um, both in education and in health. And as they explored, um, as the government had explored what were the issues, it was because um, it would seem that... Uh, The families that had emigrated into the country, unsettled in Bradford, had all come from the same sort of village in the Near East. They were all related to each other to begin with, and, of course, now we're into about third, fourth, fifth generations, and they'd continued to intermarry, but a much smaller pool in this country than it had been in Pakistan. And, and so health issues started to come out. Uh, and uh, in poorer nations, historically in the past, there wasn't the same health care. So people that might have had a genetic defect didn't grow older because of high infant mortality. And so it maybe wasn't as noticeable. And it probably wouldn't be an issue... In the time of Moses, or at least they would see many children die. But those genetic disorders, if they were strong genetically, they would survive. And so the the family of Moses would survive if they were healthy genes, even though there had been that bit of uh, interbreeding. So, anyway, this healthy boy, this boy that they could look at and say, "Wow, he looks good he's strong he's not a funny looking kid he's got to do well, but what do we do they they keep him keep him hidden for three months Now that must have been a challenge that must have caused difficulties. The pharaoh wished all boys to be drowned. The pharaoh is a racist. And on top of that, he doesn't seem to know much or care about what Joseph did for his country. What concerns him is a rise of the Israelites whom he uses as enforced labour. I wonder how often a nation welcomes people, or says it's going to welcome people, and then rejects them at the same time. The Windrush generation. Britain was crying out for people to perform certain tasks in a range of industries. Yet when people came, they encountered rejection. As did their children a generation later, and a generation beyond that. And the same is true today. Our, our country is dependent on immigration. Um, you know, 20% of all NHS staff were born Overseas. If you actually look at doctors, thirty percent of doctors in the country born overseas. Forty percent, those involved in manufacture of food products, come from overseas. Um, But yet we struggle as a nation with the concept of immigration. The Pharaoh uh, has a phobia. A phobia is not just a fear, but it's a misplaced fear. And rather than find a positive way forward of thinking how he could work with the Israelites, with the Hebrew people, he decides that's it for the boys. He's going to cut off his nose to bite his face. And I say that because, of course, if you kill the boys, where's your workforce in 15 years' time? But he <coughs> takes a short-term approach. He has a fear in the back of his mind at that time and says, no, that's it, this is the way i am going to tackle it. How long do we... Look at long-term consequences rather than a small picture. How long do we actually f- stop and think about the results of our, our actions? And the pharaoh obviously hadn't. On a whim, he passes a law unjust, uncaring, but also not good for his own people. Well, that three-month-old child is getting big, getting noisy, difficult to hide. it's placed into a special-made basket, waterproofed with tar, watched over from the riverside. How incredible it is. And we don't really know from here, you know, whether the mum, Jochebed, whether she, you know, has a plan of what will happen. whether this place of hiding is taken with such great care because they know the pharaoh's daughter goes there, or whether this is just God's will playing out and they're just trusting that something will happen, that maybe the child will live long enough and be regularly fed and looked after long enough that it'll be out of that danger age and will be like the three-year-old brother that's not in this bit of the story but pops up a bit later so the family go and hide hide the child and the risks in that the risks of hiding the child are probably similar to those risks faced in Germany during the Second World War for those who hid Jews in their homes. Today, death may face some Christian worshippers and some of those who may hide Christian worshippers in foreign lands death may face some who flee to this country as asylum seekers but how do we respond if their claim for asylum is rejected if they are on the verge of getting deported there are churches that stand up for them and shelter them, knowing that the law of the land is that they should be handed over. Ministers and congregations in the UK, of course, don't face um, death for harbouring a fugitive. They may face imprisonment. But of course, there were um churches in the past where in this country and they struggled to freely worship the Lord in the way that we would want to. Um in the seventeenth century, you know, I think I said just the other week, you know, the, the church that I was in Tadley, before I went to train for the ministry, it, it was built like a house. Built like a house so that they could hide. Mm. So that they could hide from the nation's law enforcers <coughs> because the worshippers had rejected the Book of Common Prayer. And uh, the establishment, the connection of church and state. And they were willing to go to jail for their beliefs. I wonder if we would still be willing to go to jail for ours. Whether we have that level of faithfulness that some in the church overseas have. When torn between God and the nation's law how do we respond? Which way do we go? How strong is our faith? Today many use this idea of being God's people first to to bring forth direct action ways of campaigning that uh, take it beyond standing there with a placard hmm. used to be the bane of my life in a different place folk that would climb over the fence and try and get into buildings uh, you know elsewhere a pretty space at Wharton they used to have folk climb the fence and try and damage. Aircraft that would be um, getting sold to Saudi Arabia. Still a common issue, because when we make something and it's sold overseas, what is it then used for? How innocent is what's going on in Yemen? And, in fact, we've seen in the past week that... Uh, Liz Truss accidentally approved some military equipment sales. Accidentally. I'm reaching a boycott. Others might chain themselves. Might chain themselves to a tree to prevent the construction of a bypass. Maybe they would follow the school strike movement of Greta Thunberg. I wonder if any of you were marching in Brighton on Friday. No. Um, Hugh, curate up the road, um, did a tweet on Friday saying, um, what a shame it was that he, it was at his day off His day off, same as mine. Um, It was his day off because that meant he couldn't go and strike. You know, so he'd just stay at home and do other things instead of going on strike. I don't don't think he was going to go and strike at all. That's not quite Hughes' politics. Um, But, you know, there's that challenge of where our faith leads us, how we respond to the world... What is right for us to do as God's people? But now let's look back into the bull rushes where a sister is watching and watches as the baby is found. even if the plan was for the baby to be found by the pharaoh's daughter, the element of risk in that is so high. So high. Would the daughter simply get the baby to be drowned in the water? And how dreadful it must have been for the mum, wondering at home if her son was well. But yet, as a Levite, as a child of Abraham, a child of Jacob, a child of God, She would have a sense of God's presence and know all would be right. Maybe it's a a similar feeling if she senses that this is what God has called her to do. Maybe it's a similar feeling to a mum at home on the child's first day at school. I think it's maybe a bit more than that, isn't it? Maybe it's a bit like um, a parent whose child leaves home for university. It's more than that, isn't it? Maybe a mum whose son has gone off to join the armed forces. The person is still their child, but they know something's never going to be the same again. And we have encounters and times in our lives where we know it's not going to be the same again. We know that life is moving on, that things have changed. But we have to trust and wait. Maybe someone you know is facing an operation. And you pray for their healing and you trust that the medical staff take the best care of them that they can what words of comfort can you bring what can you say that lets them know God is with them in that situation that time of balance on the knife edge God is with them as he was with Jochebed's But if you were one of Jochebed's friends, what would you have said to her? All goes well here. All goes well. The basket gets spotted, it gets opened, the baby cries, and the daughter is delighted. Miriam the sister goes and gets the mum and they all live happily ever after kind of with one or two hiccups along the way and a few folk you know nothing's quite that easy in life is it? but for now Moses can live with royal protection. Moses can live and receive the best education. Moses can be well fed, unnourished, and grow strong. He can be the person that is set up and ready to be God's man, leading the people forward, Out of Egypt towards the promised land. Often what happens doesn't make sense in the journey of life. How else? Other than this strange ruling, this evil ruling of the pharaoh that was to drown the children, to kill the, the boys, how else could Moses get to be the man he became? We don't know. But God takes difficult circumstances, things that are evil... ...and breathes his spirit upon the people that are there. and brings hope... ...and brings love... ...and brings life. And do we have faith for the challenging times... ...when things seem impossible... ...when we're going through changing situations... Do we trust that God's plan is right? And do we believe that he will answer our prayers? I pray that we do. Amen.